Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Over the, the years, the American musical theater has brought us a great deal of talent, to be sure. But every once in a while, something kind of special happens. Somebody very special comes along. And I had the opportunity of way back in the late 40s of seeing some very special talent when it was just beginning to bloom. And now it has blossomed. And our guest today is that individual that I've got to reminisce a little bit. And we'll do it on the air rather than in private so you may all share it. But our guest, ladies and gentlemen, for the next hour is Carol Channing. Hello, Roy. Where were you, Roy, when when uh, you first discovered Lendoneer and all that? You were in Harvard. Bought, bought, well, <laughs> I wish I was at Harvard, but I was at a little college at which a lot of Harvard professors used to teach, called Emerson College. In fact, at one time it was the Emerson's, Harry Emerson Fosdick School of Elocution, or something like that. Oh, is that how it got its name? Because I've just finished lecturing there, if you please. That's my alma mater. I never knew yes. I would have mentioned you. Emerson College, of course. And I was at Emerson College when I saw you do Lend an Ear at either the Schubert or the Colonial in Boston before you went to New York. Is, isn't that funny? Anyone who saw Lendoneer way back then is practically family. <laughs> you know? But, but oh, Emerson, that's a very fine one. It's a college of the it. arts. It's right. one of the few. We're very of, proud of, of it. Of just the arts, I know, and it's excellent. And the isn't students ask such uh, provocative questions. Isn't that good? What, what a small world it really has turned out to be. <laughs> Well, Carol and I, friends, will will uh, will we'll, we'll hold our reminiscences about of about Emerson College maybe to while the commercials are on because it probably doesn't mean that much to the people in the Midwest except for the fact that some pretty well known entertainers have come from Emerson College. Uh, Bill Dana is one. Oh yes. Uh, whose real name is Bill Zathmery, Jose Jimenez. Bill was in the class ahead of me. Was and, he? Uh, and there are quite a few others that have done well. Oh, yes, I know there are. Well, I went to Bennington, and that also you can major in the arts at Bennington because it's progressive. How did uh, Carol Channing from Bennington ever get to Broadway and lend an ear? Can we tell that in four minutes? Oh, I think it's easy. I mean, I, th I don't think it's easy, but I think it's a natural thing if you want to study the arts like you went to Emerson College. Right. It's only natural. Your interest was in that direction before you ever went. Did you always want to be on the stage? I never told anybody because it's such a... Oh, it's, uh, you know, people who say, I want to be a great actress. Well, for heavens, uh, you know, who doesn't? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. I, I give the yes, well. And, but, but, so you don't dare tell anybody. All I did, I just kept doing shows while I was in school. And every Friday, it got to be an institution, those shows. And, you know, I'm still drawing on what I learned during that time. I mean, I learned, because children, will. I started in the fourth grade, and children let you know right away, ah, come off it, Carol, you know. And they'll let you, or then when they laugh, you know right away. So I'm still going on that because I can I, I know the rules now that's fascinating to hear you say that yeah, and you learn won't let you know like no, that. but you do learn you never really stop learning do you oh gosh no see every audience is like meeting a new person and you can goof at any time Carol is here in town I perhaps should mention this right away or uh, I'll hear about it after the show Carol is here in town because she opens at the Empire Room Thursday and you haven't graced the city for a few years with your presence, young lady. Do you know this is the seventh time I'm playing the Palmer House and the tenth time I've played Chicago? Wow. I played here with Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, Wonderful Town, Showgirl, and Hello, Dolly. And that was twice at the Schubert, and we ran, you know, and ran uh, with Wonderful Town. Dear Claudia Cassidy decided to keep it running. 
And <laughs> she, but all, all the critics, they, they were ju they were just wonderful. But but it it, it ran an unprecedented time, and. Uh, so I kind of feel like Chicago is second home because I got an apartment here, brought my baby here, and and uh, uh, just moved everything here. Is this perhaps why you would come in a little early so you can do your socializing and visit all your friends before the before the uh, big night? Actually, that's what I'm doing is visiting my friends exactly. Good. And you're one of them now. Carol Channing <laughs> joins us for an hour on a Monday in January. A fabulous woman. I you know I think back now to to lend an ear, which was the first show I remember seeing you in. Was that your first real? Yeah. Yes, Big break. It really was. It was the first decent part I had. Wasn't there another young fellow in that show that went on to to make quite a name for himself by the name of Gene Nelson? Gene Nelson. He was the he's the great ice skater. Right. But he also dances. Danced. Oh well, now he's in Follies. That's, That's right. right. Now there was another fellow in that show, another dancer who might have been like the second lead or the second dancer, whose name I can't remember. Bobby Shearer. He wants to be called Bob now. Whatever happened to him? Uh, he is. Now, the director of all the Frank Sinatra specials. Wow. And he directs and, and does the... He really directs, too. You know, in television, often the director is just a cameraman. But he's the director and the camera shots and all that and the angles. And he also is uh, has been with um, um, uh, Andy Williams so ever rough. since the beginning of Andy Williams. And he stayed with him. That's and, good. Yes, isn't that marvelous? A lot of people came out of that show. Who, what, well, wasn't it Gower, wasn't that Gower Champ, one of Gower's first shows? It was Ga Gower's first directing job, and Marge Champion insisted that I be put in that show. I mean, she told Gower, Gower, you've got to see this girl, and he said, but it's all cast. And Marge said, please, Gower, you just got to make, just look at her, that's all. Where did she see you, do you know? I uh, wouldn't let her alone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I talked to her, and I said, uh, uh, would you like to see me? So she watched everything I ever did, and it took about an hour. So then Gower said, well, we're all cast, but we have, I can give her one minute, because they had auditioned about three, they had auditioned 3,000 people mm. in Los Angeles for Lendonier. And and they just, uh, well, I had covered everything, and I couldn't seem to get in on those Lendonier auditions. So fi so I went to Marge and showed her everything I did. Then I said to Gar, I said, well, the only way I can let you know my style is to do, to, I've, I, I do 24 different characters, but I've narrowed them down to 12 just for you, because I know you're in a hurry, and you thought, oh, God, this girl's <laughs> going to got to go. And Marge, uh, just, uh, so I started out with a, a different, one person and another, it was Ethel Waters at the time, and Marge, when she saw Gar start to cross and uncross his legs, then she said, all right, now do Gertrude Lawrence. So then I, I switched right as soon as whatever Marge said. Then she said, now do the silly little girl. Now do Helen Kay. Now do da 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 And she told me, that, oh, it was Lynn Fontan at the time and all these wonderful people. So uh, she she called the cards and kept Gower from getting bored. She kept doing it. And I keep telling people when they want to go into the theater, just know that your Marge champion is right around the corner. Something told me she was right around the corner. I didn't know what it was. But, you know, you wake up in the morning, you just know... It's it's coming. You're you wake up one morning and you know you're ready. And I've talked to more performers that tell me that happened with them. They know I I am beginning to know that who I am and how to present it. You know and how to how to make it entertaining for other people. And and you wake up one morning and you think I just feel ready. At where 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 is my Marge Champion? You know where's my, and I keep saying your Marge Champion's right around the corner. Before you get the big break, however, you you have these ideas. You know what you want to do. You usually know what you do well. And yet, when you get your first big break and you get into a show like Lend an Ear, yes, the director might have something entirely different in mind for.
for you to do. Now, did that happen with you? Uh, uh, no, Gower got totally inspired, and what he had in mind was, it, I was just in his hands. What he had in mind was my mind. It didn't, I had nothing in mind but Gower Champion. I was just dedicated to him and, and to Marge. Do you remember any of the things that you did in London Air? It's been a while since I've seen the show. Have they ever revived it? Has London Air ever been revived? Oh, yes, it was. I saw it just recently. The Equity Library Theater did, and I went oh, with the author, Charlie Gaynor. Great. And by the way, Charlie has written me a lot of my act that I'm doing at oh. the Palmer House. Oh. We stay very close together, and Charlie wrote London Air. And I remember the, the college people in Boston, when we were trying it out, just embraced it. Oh, they took Charlie. They did profiles on yeah. Charlie Gaynor. It was all the intellects that loved Charlie Gaynor. It was a good show. It was a review, if I remember right, more than yes. a book show. It was Yes, just a review. A review. And, a and it was the first show to dig up the 20s. That's it was right. the, the Gladiola Girl. Right. And it was right. the first one that did. And from then on, people uh, thought, well, why not? And they've been de doing it ever since. But really, no one ever thought of it until Charlie Gaynor. And and there were four uh, four of us in the chorus. He had a four-girl chorus. Sue, Lou, Prue, and Boo. And I was Prue. <laughs> Prudence It was my name. And, and uh, uh, it was just, well, Prudence was just the wrong name for my character, you know. But Gower said, now, Carol, I want you to play the littlest girl in the line. The weeny, teeny, weeniest. You're the tiniest. And Dottie Babs, who was the teeny, weeniest girl in the whole wide world, was playing me. So I was playing Dottie Babs. And that's how that character evolved. And, and by the way, Dottie Babs married a very wealthy department store man. If you want to know what happened to her, she was the prettiest little girl. But she's very rich now, and we're happy for her. But anyway, she, she, uh, uh, that led to Anita Luce came and saw, uh, and Oliver Smith. They came together to see Lendonier, and she said, Well, now's the time to revive my gentleman prefer blondes. And that's how you got the role of yes. Lorelei Lee? Yeah. Was that right? Now you're bringing back oh, so many I memories. Well, I. This is something I've been doing ever since I can remember, going to the theater or going to movies and just loving it. I think I asked Carol Channing one question, and we've been going nonstop for 17 minutes. This is the, this is the sort of an interview a, a guy likes to do, ask a question and get an answer. Roy but Leonard, you're a joy to talk with. We brought back so many delightful memories. Can we, can we stay back uh, to Gentlemen Prefer Blondes for just a, a little while? Uh, oh, yes. I know you did something like 1,200-some-odd performances of Dolly without missing one, and perhaps... Our contemporary Chicagoans remember you most as Dolly, but a lot of us remember you as Lorelei back in the days of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Now, this, do you remember your feelings at all when you were told that this was going to be a revival of a great story and you were going to be the star? Do you remember how you, how you approached it or felt about it? Oh, yes, I wanted to do I thought I'd jump out the window if I couldn't play that part. Oh, I wanted to do it so badly. Um, uh, see, at the time... Uh, uh, there, uh, when Lendonier hit it, see, uh, really Boston embraced it first, and you did, but nobody knew, knew what was going to happen to it. When it came to New York, everybody embraced Lendonier, this little review, mm -hmm. and all of the young people in it. And, uh, at the time, it was such a showcase that I had four different, uh, musicals to choose from. One by Cole Porter, another one that, uh, uh, Kaufman wanted to revive Dulcie, and and write it for me and all that. But I thought I would die if I couldn't play Lorelai Lee. So there were there were four. There was one that uh, Saint Suber wanted to put on, and uh, I. No, wait a minute. There was another one. Anyway, it was to be with Jackie Gleason before he was even on television, and and. Uh, 
uh, Jackie's never forgiven me. Isn't that a <laughs> for not doing thing? it? For not doing it. Wow. Isn't that strange? And it turned out to be gentleman for blondes. I didn't. I kept saying, Jackie, if you had had a gentleman for blondes, wouldn't you have died to do it? <laughs> no, I, I'd work with me. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any problems with gentlemen prefer blondes, or was it was it great right from the start? Did you ever have out of town problems? Oh or? yes, terrific. Oh, yes. Oh, they changed it like crazy because, you see, we had the basic Lorelei's Diary, the, the book, mm -hmm. uh, Gentlemen for Blondes, but you can interpret that book any which way. So they, uh, oh, yes, they, they changed it around this way and that. And the worst thing that happened to me out of town was that uh, I got the second chorus first on I'm Just a Little Girl from Little Rock. Oh. I put that first so that when you get to the second, I, it doesn't fit the music. The music isn't quite the same. And and all of a sudden, the, the, so Milt Rosenstock, the conductor, was standing there, and, and it wasn't fitting the music. But the audience was so warm and so wonderful. And, and I stopped and looked at Milt and didn't know what to do because if it doesn't fit, you can't jar the audience's ears. So I stopped right there and stared at him. And Milt, and there was utter silence, and there was this deathly hush in the theater, which is just, you know, for actors, this is like a nightmare, that everything stopped still because your mind went blank. And then for the first time, I realized that I had done the second chorus first. So I just stood there and stared, and Milt Rosenstock said, you didn't mind the smith and you didn't watch me. And and because he was trying to tell me all along, you're on the wrong lyrics, and I couldn't see him to save my life. I was too nervous and and so he, when he said that everybody laughed and applauded and we went back and I said I'm sorry and I stayed in carriage and asked them could we please go back and start again so we did but that was the most harrowing moment oh gee and that was right out of town was, that, that was the opening of Gentleman Fur Blonde so Anita Loose right there was dead on the floor <laughs> and and the whole bunch of them they 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 but but there were some frightening times and and then I got laryngitis and things like that. So I learned since then, don't, you, uh, 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 you must live like a boxer. From then on, I learned live like, um, yes, stay in training. And so I never drink, never smoke. That goes without saying that's the simplest thing not to do. But just find out what agrees with you. Like the Lunts kept telling me after that, oh, I met the Lunts through blondes. And my life just opened up. It was beautiful. Was Diamonds, uh, our girl's best friend, in the show from the very start? Was oh, that, yes. That, oh, yeah, that was the theme. That was the number. In yes. fact, let's relive a few of those wonderful moments, because when it eventually opened on Broadway, Carol Channing received the accolades of of the critics of the world for Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, and... Uh, well, the little girl from Little Rock was was one of the two big numbers. Yes, this... but little girl from Little Rock, the message of it is that crime pays. <laughs> and so, after it sold a million copies, they had to take it off radio because it wasn't right there. So now they're able to play it again, and re it's remarkable because uh, a little girl from Little Rock is actually a country western. And so, do you know? Ever since they took, they had to ban Little Girl from Little Rock. They've had to. Uh, the country western people have been racking their brains. How can we get another country western for her? And you know, I'm going to go as soon as I leave now. As soon as I leave the Palmer House, I go straight to Nashville, and I'm going to do country western uh, country uh, records. And they're all brand new ones, and we've been learning them, and I'm going to include one in the opening night. They've sent me their two top men, Doug Ashdown and, uh, oh, I know I'm off your subject. No, and keep you on going. You had yourself led beautifully into something. Keep on going. Oh, don't stop. Tell Roy us more. Leonard, you're a dog. You're gonna... Well, anyway, so so uh, they're sending their two top men. They're Jim Stewart and Doug Ashton, and and we've been working in the daytimes on new, uh, and we're going to include one on opening night if Doug, Doug Ashton can get it in with his guitar. 
We'll we'll be there Thursday night. We'll tell you all about it Friday. Oh, will you be there Thursday sure night? Will you tell me what you think of it? Because I'll tell you why I'm right. doing it. I never can find out anything unless it's with an audience. I have to find out. Good. Yes, it's the only way for me to do so. I'm not going to record that song until I try it out with an audience. So well, I'm just going to try it out Thursday night. Over. Do you still do diamonds? Uh, does it? Do you have to do have that, to Carol? do diamonds, and I haven't given you your diamond yet. I give diamonds. I have a fresh crop of diamonds for my audience. I give them away at the end of every show and I throw them to all the tables that are laughing and clapping the most. And so I have to give you, Roy Leonard, your diamond. This is my coveted diamond award for work well done throughout the year. I have to tell you that the word of mouth on you among entertainers is that you are their, you're their favorite. To be uh, interviewed by. I think it's because we talk to some of the most wonderful people in the world, people like Carol Channing. It's who, a genuine interest that you have in them, and that's why people suddenly talk, say things to you they'd never say to anyone else because you're so terribly interested. Carol, thank <laughs> you very much. We're calling on Carol Channing to reminisce with us a bit today, but we're not going to stay entirely in the past. Today, of course, uh, and uh, for the next three days, Carol Channing is in Chicago visiting friends, renewing old acquaintances, getting ready for the big opening night at if the Empire If you don't want to stay entirely in the past, I've got some new stuff. Stuff that is just uh, that I love. Great. It's ethnic material, and I, I well, one is um, uh, one song that that I open with is anyone who's anyone is Jewish this year. Don't you think it's true? <laughs> I like it. I like it. I too. like it. In I, fact, we did a whole thing with the producers of. Uh, uh, well, there have been a number of ethnic albums over the past few years, and have you heard the album about the Jewish American princess? Oh yes. Well, which is a delight. We oh, talked about heaven. that a few months ago. That's yeah. good. How do you decide what you're going to do, Carol? How do you put the act together? Uh, it's uh, actually my husband does it, but it's um uh he tells the writers what is good. He gets the ideas, and uh, he decide. He says, "Gee, it would be a good thing for Carol to do a this and a this," and then he organizes the writers and tells them what how to write for me but he was always television producer for Burns and Allen right and so uh, he and George Burns did that together and they would interpret to the writers what uh, what was right for Gracie so it's an old That's uh, interesting yes. we're talking by the way about Mr. Charles F. Lowe who accompanies he Carol around. He hates talking about him. Just hates <laughs> Really? Him. Oh, he can't stand it. I can feel the, the uh, vibrations oh. right now. You know, while you guys are in town, I've got to get together with uh, with Charles because uh, a week from tomorrow, we're going to do a nostalgia special on radio where we're going to devote a whole day to nostalgia. And then we're going to get Virginia Payne and Rita Boyd to come over, and they're going to relive one of the great Ma Perkins radio scripts for us. Oh, yes. But part of the nostalgia special is I've got some old stuff that George and, and Gracie did on the radio in the yes. old days. And maybe uh, maybe Charles can give me a little insight into George Burns that I don't already know. Oh, he's close to us. George is a... Is a uh Let's see, every time that we call him and say, hey, George, the act is sagging in the middle, what do we do? George will fly right out, look at it, and say, all right, now I'll tell you. And then he goes to work, and he's right every time. And Gracie used to do the same thing. You know that I had the honor of working with George because Gracie, with Gracie's blessing, she said, I don't want George working with anybody but Carol. If he can't work with me, now, isn't that a great honor? It certainly I, is. To me, I, she's hallowed in our family. That's so, wonderful. So uh, Gracie said, uh, and there she sat right there in the front row watching us every night and and i worked with him for quite a while and it was really i learned so much i can't tell you from george burns it, just to relax and go ahead and be a girl and feminine and don't take over let george take over <laughs> and the result is that it gave me a relaxation that i've had ever since because i suddenly realized you don't have to take over carol you, you all you have to do is just be a girl like you are <laughs> when, when, when did you do your first nightclub show 
Do you remember? Yes. When George Burns and Charles Lowe got their heads together and George said, if she doesn't do clubs, she'll never know who she is. She's got to find out who Carol Channing is. Because I was playing Lo Wonderful Town and, mm -hmm. and all these characters and all this. And he said... No performer will last over a lifetime until she knows who she is. We have to get to know her, which is just the opposite of Marcel Marceau. Marcel says, I, I don't, you know, he feels, the, uh, Europeans feel, no, you'll know the person through his art. You don't. You know the person. And, and until you can let people honestly know who you are, which is a painful process for most actors, because... They, most of us went into the business because we're high, wide, and handsome as long as we're standing on the legs. We have every leg to stand on as long as we're in character. And even, I remember talking to Tallulah Bankhead about it, and she thinks that Tallulah is a character. She always thought she was. She said, well, darling, how was I? And I said, well, you were marvelous. She said, I know, but I mean, was I Amanda? Was it, was it Amanda? And I kept saying, well, who cares? She said, what do you mean, who cares? I'm playing Amanda. Well, she, and it sounded the same to me, but to her, it was a character. And she wanted to know, was it Amanda? And that was most important to her. We are high, wide, and handsome as long as we're playing a character. But there is another kind of performer who only is himself. And that is a far harder thing to find. Did you worry about what the real Carol Channing would of be? Of course. So George said, put her in Las Vegas. And they would, he, George and Charles would stand there and say, go right back on stage and keep talking as yourself. And then George began to, I, I noticed that there were little titters in the audience that were laughs on character, not, not jokes. And George would pick up those character titters and turn it into a funny line for me. And then they would get writers to get other funny, but they be, there began to emerge a Carol and someone that, that could be recognized. I still have no perspective on it, because if I had perspective on Carol's character, she would no longer be genuine or real. So that's why Charles Lowe has to t tell the writers how to write for Carol, because I would never be able to tell them. You mentioned something earlier when you talked about children and the fact that you can't fool children. There's another medium that I don't think you can fool, and that's the television camera. There's something about that TV camera when you step in front of it if you're not you, yes, the audience knows it right away. It's called an X-ray machine. The television <laughs> you're camera, right, and it is. And you discovered that. And the that. least thing that crosses your thought, like, uh, "What's my next sentence?" You know, right. it, it's all over the camera. She doesn't know what her next sentence is, or else it looks like fright or panic. Another thing is, strangely enough, on the television camera, shyness looks like uh, you don't trust your fellow man. That's you just got, and you know, suddenly I thought maybe that's what shyness is. We're all shy. I'm firmly convinced that every human being is shy. And, and, and we've got to come out of it because it means distrust. wonder what has brought us into this. Uh, why should we suddenly distrust our fellow man? Or why should we suddenly want to, you know, pull within know, ourselves? I don't know, is no great virtue as it has always been held up. It's not. It's a distrust. I mean, I've learned that from that because we all start out so painfully shy. But you've got to come out of it. We, we've got to. My, my big bugaboo is the fact that we uh, hesitate to be honest with each other. Uh, we hesitate to, uh, to level with each other and say what we really feel, within bounds, of course. I don't mean to, to hurt our fellow man, but to level with each other and to be honest with each other. People, for some reason, hesitate to do that. And I think particularly in show business, we've been fighting that all our lives, haven't we? 
telling a performer whether he's really good or really not so good? Yes, I guess so. I, I'm not so worried about that. I really think uh, if there's anything about a performer that I've liked, I'd rather tell him what I liked because it's only destructive. Otherwise, it isn't going to help him. Who are the performers that you like? Who are the people like if you have a free evening and you would have a choice to, to go to see a dozen performers who might be within nightclub distance or on the motion picture screen or on the stage? Who are the people that you'd like Do to go know, to see? Usually, it's the last person I saw. It's just terrible. Most actors, you've heard you've seen actors' funds, and we stomp and whistle and clap and carry on with our feet and all that because we think it's a miracle the show ever got on in the first place, you know? <laughs> so uh, it's awfully hard for me to... Uh, um, let's see, who's the last one I saw? I saw Marcel Marceau this Sunday, yesterday, at the matinee. Wasn't he marvelous? He certainly was. Just marvelous, just great. Um, I think he would be better if he w if uh, we got to know him. Isn't that a terrible thing he to said, say? It's like sacrilege. No, but you know, he said an interesting thing here. Marcel was here just a week ago, sitting right where you were. He uh -huh. was here last Monday. And he said something interesting. He said he made a mistake when he first came to America. He just did his show, and he never appeared in public to talk to anybody. Uh -huh. Now he goes on the, the Johnny Carson show once in a while. Yes. He'll go on Merv Griffin's show. Yes. The, the people of America have begun to know that there really is a Marcel Marceau, and it has made him even more successful. I bet it has. Mm -hmm. He brought that up on the Isn't show. Isn't that interesting? And he says it, it really is true. It was a mistake for him to hide behind his mask all the time. Yes, you see, it's very European, I think, to do mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because it is difficult for Marcel Marceau to present himself to an audience. What he is is a reflection of whoever's interviewing him. Perhaps. And and that's the thing, because I know whatever what I am right now is a reflection of Roy Leonard, what it is you want to know. Uh, there is something I want to know, and that's more about the new act. You said you had a new opening number, and then we got sidetracked a little bit in our conversation. Oh, yeah. Oh. Some other new things that perhaps you have oh, put in the show. Well, oh, there's a whole new 20 section, and there's one that's about... I have a Libby Holman kind of girl. Do you, didn't you... There's that... There's a girl in the 20s that was like a young Lillian Roth or Libby Holman, mm -hmm. and my father was just mad for them. And so that's where I learned to really love them. And, and I, uh, that's, it, it, this whole 20 section goes from one kind of 20s girl to another. And, Good. you know, I change clothes behind a screen so that I don't have to leave the audience. Good. And that's nice, because I, I hate to leave the audience. The momentum of the show stops. And this way I can stay right there, keep talking, and, and talk behind the screen and keep going. You know what's amazing about you, Carol Channing, is you speak of your nightclub act with so much uh, excitement and this twinkle in your eye. You are as excited about your opening night Thursday as we are in looking forward to seeing you, and yet you've been doing this over and over and over again. It's not old hat at all, is well, it? Well, there are lots of new things, Roy, in the act. So, and that, See, that's one reason I do this touring, is so I can try it out in front of an audience. I mean, I've been trying out... Uh, as we toured the country the last six months with the uh, show that I did in London at the Drury Lane Theater, I was touring, and, and then I got to put in one new number and another new number and another, and that's what we're, that's how I'll get to try out the uh, uh, Western things, too, here. Can we talk a little bit about London? Because they just loved you over there, and there is something about our American performers and their appearances in England and in Britain. Uh, there are a few that sort of stand out. What is it about the English? They just love you to death, don't they? Oh, yes, they do. You know what I wonder? They are so um, inhibited in real life that is, uh, as they move around, they're not as open as Americans are. 
And I wonder if in the theater they let out all their inhibitions. I believe that's what it is. Because if they don't like you, they throw things. And they, <laughs> they really do? And I, oh, I've heard of it. <laughs> I, and they hoot and boo and carry on. And, oh, they're just awful. And they say exactly what... And they yell, time waster, things like that. Oh, and, and then if they do like you, they just... Well, it, 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 I remember when I entered in the theater and I, after the applause died down, I thought, oh gosh, you, you know, Roy, the worst thing that can happen is a, a black, high peak of applause when you come out and then you have to top it. And the show can do nothing but go downhill. And it scared me half to death. <laughs> I, it was the most agonizing opening night I ever had because no, I hadn't done anything yet. And, and this applause meant that they expected worlds. And I was just, oh, so then someone, then I started my opening speech and someone in the, after the applause all died down completely, then someone in the, one of the gallery girls yelled out, she said, welcome to London, Carol, we love you. And I thought, oh, how sweet. And all and then, at, but it didn't go downhill. That's the way London is. Good. It didn't. And I can't understand how the audience could stay on such a peak. I think what it is, is that they never let out their energies except in the theater. When the lights are out, nobody knows who making all that noise and and they're part of a huge mass and and americans don't need that outlet that's perhaps why so many of our american performers like to go to britain they're so beautifully received oh, over there yes oh they're lovely did you do dolly in, in no britain? i didn't mary martin did it oh i was wondering if they you know would recall those great moments if this I would won't. be one of the reasons no they didn't recall dolly at all no they didn't no uh, uh but but um uh, one one reason I couldn't go, I had to make Thoroughly Modern Millie right. at the time, and I could either, it was the only time Julie Andrews was free to do the movie, so I could either do the movie of Thoroughly Modern Millie or else go to London. Well, I, I'm glad I chose Thoroughly Modern Millie. That was fun. Oh. That's right, you've had two or three films. What is the... There, no, I, that's, that's my only film. That's the only film? Yes, there's one terrible one years and years ago that was so terrible. It was with Ginger Rogers. It was way, way back, and she, what we called it, it was called uh, The First Traveling Sales Lady, and, and people do me great favors when I'm playing in a town. They dig it up and play it across the street at the movie theater. <laughs> it is, it, it's unbelievable. It had no script whatsoever. And while we were doing it, Ginger and I called it Death of a Sales Lady. <laughs> the first traveling sales lady was the name of it. And it was... Uh, uh, th there was no script at all, and finally Ginger's mother, Leela, would walk in and say, well, honey, you say this, and Ginger, you say that. And that's what was on that screen, what Ginger's mother decided we would say. <laughs> Can you imagine? It doesn't make any sense at all. And, and, and it's in giant cinemascope, and it's just, it, it, well, there's no plot at all. There's no... Next time, friends, you will enjoy it that much more, knowing how Carol feels oh, about no, it. Oh, no, even my own son couldn't stand it. It was just... <laughs>